Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Hey, what's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network where we grow the game one podcast at a time. Thanks to our friends for Extreme Threads for sponsoring the show right off the top. Extreme Threads, Lacrosse Classified. Once again, it's Jake Elliott of Evan Sheminar with you in another week of National Lacrosse League action in the books and another week of National Lacrosse League action on deck here as we'll get it all to you in the next hour or so. Um, Evan, welcome back to the podcast once again. Well, thank you, and uh, once again, congratulations on the new gig. The reaction on social media was immensely positive. Well, yeah, I and I and I thank the fans for that. I <laughs> I'm not so sure it should have been. I think there's uh, room for improvement there. I'll just say that uh, it being a new experience for me, being down between the benches and and doing interviews, and it was almost like a brand new job to me. It wasn't uh, something I was completely comfortable with. I think you could probably see that on camera, but uh, yeah, the fans were great. Uh, I appreciate the kind words, and uh, we can only go up from here. Well, I mean, you, you saw the support of Rush Nation. Almost everybody's in shock and flock, and it's like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> look who's coming. And, you know, like I said in the article, you're the best of the best, and I'm happy you're around. <laughs> appreciate that, Evan. I uh, appreciate that. You're probably not going to have such kind words for me once I bring up our next topic, and that was our picks <laughs> from a week ago, sir. <laughs> Um, and, I, and I'm going to relish this. I'm going to tell you that right now because this may never happen again in the history of our podcast. I went 5-4-5. Five, five. That's perfect. 100% in our picks uh, last week. You, on the other hand, uh, did not go 5-5. Five for five. Update the fans where we stand in our weekly picks totals now, Evan hey, Schemenauer. I went 2-3, for three, but you're at 11-5. and five. I'm at 10-6, and six, so... Uh, I'm batting 63%. You're at 69. Back in the lead where I belong is, I think, what you <laughs> meant to say. Um, yeah. Some surprising score lines, uh, maybe for you, not so much for me since I picked all the right winners. But let's run it down here, if you will. Uh, where should we start? Let's start Friday, Toronto Philly. Why oh, not? Okay, and that was a heck of a lacrosse game. Another overtime oh. game for Toronto. This time they come out on the right side of things, and you got to feel a little bit bad for Philadelphia. But on the other hand, Evan, they kind of did it to themselves a little bit. Uh, they really shot themselves in the foot at the end of this game, and probably a game that they should have won. They got a great goaltending performance out of Buckin. Um, their transition game was on point. They had the lead late and then some poor clock management at the end of that game. Maybe an ill-advised shot from Von Harris. Some good coaching from Toronto having Schreiber and Hellier out at the floor at the end of the regulation time. Uh, they tie the game late and get the win in overtime. And probably the most odd fact coming out of this game, Evan, is Toronto wins this game with 11 goals, but only three goal scorers scored for Toronto. 
Yeah, um, you know, you know, Philly's got to take a lot of positive away from this game. Toronto is one of those teams that's been playing well lately, and you know they took them to overtime. And you know, Buckin had a great game. I'm certain he's likely going to be the starter at this stage when that was kind of in question. You know, and Kyle Matisse, you know, that transition goal was something else to watch because, you know, Matisse does not have the speed, yet he still managed to beat his man down the floor and, and muscle one in. Um, but, you know, here's here's some stats that are shocking this game. The two teams combined one for nine on the power play. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. The loose ball, 99 to 70. <laughs> the ball was bopping all over the place. So a lot of room for improvement for both teams. Um, but like I said, it's got to be encouraging for Philly that, you know, they're now going to be in games. That it's not going to be one of these expansion teams. They're going to get blown out of the water. Yeah, and, and and again, for fans that didn't kind of see the end of that game, Philly was up a goal with what Evan about uh, thirty seconds to go. About forty, they was they they couldn't possess the whole way. It was about forty, right? But they had the ball, and you know, I would say Von Harris took a shot with about sixteen seconds left to go on the shot clock, which you know probably. Well, absolutely shouldn't he shouldn't have done it. If anything, you run down that clock to the very bitter end, you roll the ball in the corner, make sure your defense is back, and you go play a shift of defense and try and hang on. Harris taking that shot, and he took it from the top. Nobody was expecting it. All of a sudden, it was transitioned back the other way, and uh, Captain America, as our buddy Andy McNamara likes to say, back the other way, tucks it in for his fifth of the game. And uh, Adam Jones ends up getting the winner for his fifth of the game. So those two guys <laughs> combined for ten goals. The only one, the other one, came from Brandon Slade in transition for the eleventh marker. But Adam Jones, Schreiber's with big nights, and um, I think that's probably a real hard learning lesson there for for Paul Day and the Philly Wings that uh, you you gotta focus in down the stretch and and really uh, play to win because taking that shot. Man, like that was a real poor decision, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but I mean that really cost Philadelphia the the two points. Yeah, it did. Uh, and the other thing that really cost them in this, they gave Toronto an awful lot of second chances on offense. What was it? Adam Jones had thirteen loose balls in this game. That's it's crazy, but uh, you know, it was really I, a week. Sorry, Evan, it was really a week where, you know, I saw somebody, I, I can't remember who it was, posted up on Twitter, who was the NLL player of the week, and he listed about five guys, and then he added on to that tweet and said, well, you could probably list these five guys as well, and then somebody else chimed in, oh, did you forget about Adam Jones, who had five goals and an assist and 13 loose balls, so it was really a week in the in the National Lacrosse League that had all sorts of stellar performances, and, and you really could have picked your uh picked your poison as far as who was the best player in week four uh let's move along here let's head down south to the georgia swarm vancouver warriors game and uh this was another interesting game a low scoring game here evan 10-8 the final for georgia but it was a game that vancouver was kind of in control of for most of the way uh, before Lyle Thompson kind of snatched uh, victory away from the Warriors here, they introduced a few new players into their lineup. 
Uh, Jordan McBride having a good game. His uh, first hat trick in, I want to say, about six years. Jean-Luc Chetner playing in that game as well. I think Brody Eastwood got into the action. Vancouver was right there with Georgia, but uh, Lyle Thompson on the breakaway salted away late for the Swarm, who were still undefeated, 10-8 the final in that one. Yeah, um, you know, Keegan Ball had a half which, you know, it was it was an opposite game for Georgia because it was, I think, Logan Schuss had just three points. Mitch Jones had one assist. Those are the guys you'd expect that offensive output from, and it didn't come from them at all. To me, Georgia played down to their opponent. That offense just wasn't clicking the way it normally does. It wasn't free-flowing. And I remember Eddie Como, one of the timeouts, he was saying, you guys are not having fun out there. Like they weren't doing, you know, pushing the ball the way they normally did. And it showed luckily for Georgia, their defense showed up in the fourth quarter. And I don't think Vancouver scored in the last 16 minutes, which ultimately was the difference. But, you know, when you look at it this way, I remember an article Graham Perro put out last year. And when you score eight goals in a game, I think your odds of winning were something like 5%. Yeah. Yeah. When you have 40 shots on goal, your odds of winning are probably 5% too. Although Calgary only had 39 shots on goal. So (laughs) there are exceptions to the rule. Well, I don't know what the odds are for when you score four goals in a game, but uh, they're probably a lot (laughs) less than 5%. Uh, By the way, coming up on this week's uh, big show, we do have a couple of stellar guests in one Wesley Berg, you just mentioned Calgary. We'll talk to Wes about that. And uh, the next game we're about to talk about, a guy was competing in it and unfortunately came up on the wrong side of things. And in a big way, as Matt Vince uh, absolutely stoned his former club. I watched this game when I got home from from Saskatoon uh, yesterday, which would be Sunday as we record here on a Monday, Evan. And man, oh man, uh Remember when everybody was worried about Matt Vince in the start of the season? <laughs> this guy goes out and makes 55 stops for the Bandits. He becomes the National Lacrosse League's all-time save leader as he passes his new goalie coach in Anthony Cosmo with like 7,235 saves or something like that. Just incredible. Matt Vince, he was making stops that I haven't seen Vino make in, I want to say, like five, six years. He was sensational as he beats uh, the Rochester Nighthawks. We will have Cody Jamison join us here momentarily. But Buffalo, big time over Rochester here, 13-4 the final. Yeah, I wanted to change my pick the second I found out Dane Smith was playing, but that still wouldn't have changed things here. Uh, You know, Matt Vince, absolutely spot on. Now, Buffalo, was did, the defense did him a huge favor by keeping Rochester outside all night long and, you know, forcing lower percentage shots. But even then, you're near 55 for 59. It's not where the shots come from. You're dialed in. 932, you know, we talked about Christian Del Bianco at 905 last week being crazy. That's even crazier. But, you know, in a defensive struggle like this, you got to remember it was late in the second quarter, it was 4-2, and Angus Goodley was having a great game as well. And it's one of those little things that can sometimes change the momentum in a game. And it was Rochester not getting set up properly 
on that final possession of the second quarter, taking a shot at Karam's off the board. Right. Steve Priolo's going the other way, and he buries a you know breakaway with five seconds to go. Yeah. They come back out for the half, and they get Rochester gets called on a faceoff violation. Six seconds later, Hogarth scores. That's the ball game, right yeah. There. In a game like that, uh, absolutely. And uh, listen, when Matt Vince is on. He is on, and he was fully on against uh, against his former Nighthawks. That one had to p- feel pretty good for Vino, and uh, we'll talk to Cody about it. I'm sure he's been on the same side when, when Vino's been on for the Nighthawks, and, and now he got a taste of it from the other side. So we'll talk to Cody about that. Two more games to go here uh, before we get to Cody. Um, Saskatchewan and San Diego up next, and this one... Featured the banner going to the rafters at Sastel Center. The boys getting their rings uh, from some season ticket holders. Five San Diego Seals being recognized as well as former Rush players getting their rings. And a nice round of applause from the faithful in Saskatchewan. Austin Stotts maybe scoring the goal of the week. One-handed kind of a dunk over top of Evan Kirk. That was sensational. But the rush come out on top, as we both predicted. But maybe a little bit closer than we both thought, Evan. 16-12, the final in this one over the San Diego Seals. And, and a lot of that had to do with just how much penalty trouble the, the rush were in in that opening quarter, opening half. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this. I can't tell you much about what the rest of the San Diego Seals offense did because... I was so locked into this one battle between Kyle Rubish and Austin Stutz. Five on five. And those, they, they literally had Rubish leave the zone defense and just lock on him. And it was something else to watch these two just go at it. And you look at Stutz's uh, stats for the night, almost all his points come on the power play. When they couldn't lock him, he was lethal as could be. When Rubish could go one-on-one with him, he had nothing. And I think he had one goal five-on-five, and then Rubish wasn't even on the floor for that one. So that was something else to really watch in that game for me. Stotts' stats. you got to be careful there. Um, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he still had had four and and obviously led the way for San Diego. And I think the big takeaway for most people that were watching that game, either live or or online, is that San Diego is not an expansion team. They are going to win their fair share of games this season. And, and you know, they have a veteran lineup uh, with guys like Cam Holding and Dawson and Merrill that really kind of lead the way. And, and then a bunch of young players uh, that are exciting to watch as well on offense and on defense and some solid goaltending. I thought Frankie Shiliano was about as solid as he could be in net. And just the, the rush just kind of wore him down. Uh, ben McIntosh. Almost had the sock trick. He had a goal taken away late, but still comes up with nine points. He's the first star. Uh, no Robert Church in that game, which mean which meant Connor Robinson got into that game. And the rookie gets his first. He had a ton of chances in that game. Just gets the one mm-hmm. goal. But I think Derek Keenan was pretty impressed with what he saw from Connor Robinson, especially for the fact that he goes into the dirty areas and kind of pays the price to get his opportunities. And he kind of relied on him a lot for that because the rush, for the most part that night, went to his three lefties, which they're not really used to. They're used to putting three righties out there, but with Church gone, they didn't really have much of a choice. One thing I was a little surprised with San Diego there was 
New England showed how you can beat the rush on defense by pressuring them and you know going out further on them. San Diego sat back and they let the rush settle. And you know when you're going to get into a track meet with the rush, you're probably going to lose. So I'm a little surprised that they they didn't apply that pressure like it was. And this was a chippy game. It really was. There were a lot of cheap shots behind the play. Um, and to be honest, I was disappointed in the officiating. Um, to, to put it this way, I don't think the three men on the floor were consistent with what the standards should be. And you had situations where there were hard illegal picks coming or cross checks of the head, slashes to the legs, not getting called, but then a small hold getting called. And it's like, what yeah. the heck's going on here, right? And yeah, I, I hear you. And, and there was a lot of stuff, like you said, going on in behind the play. And um, I think Saskatchewan probably got the short end of it in the first half. I think it kind of balanced out in the second half. I don't know if it really de- or predicted what the score line was going to be in that game or not. But, um Listen, uh, we'll give we'll give that crew a break, and uh, Saskatchewan comes out on top. Uh, good to see the Serbian Eagle running again inside Sastel. And Jeremy Thompson, for me, watching him down at field level, just dominated the faceoff dot and, and had a good game defensively. Really impressed with what Jeremy Thompson brought to the table in that one. Um, when he's going, like, he, he gets under the skin of other teams, and, and that really kind of drew San Diego's attention away from a lot of other things, and they started to focus in on Jeremy Thompson. Yeah, San Diego started to lose their cool a bit in the second half, and, you know, like Merrill going to the box, and right right away, you know, things started to blow up a bit. But, you know, yeah, Jeremy Thompson definitely got the better Brandon Clellan. Clellan just, you know, didn't have the speed to get down there fast enough. Uh, A surprise that they continued to go to him all night. But for a guy that's closer to a Fogo than most, uh, you know, what I think he won 10 of 31. It's just not enough to get your team in the game. Yeah, I think I saw at one point Jared was 19 of 26 in the faceoff dot and just uh, dominated the small circle. One more game to go. Uh, let's get to it quickly here, Evan. And uh, it was a matinee affair from the Loud House in Colorado. Calgary and the Mammoth, uh, these two teams playing for the first time since their playoff matchup a year ago, and always kind of weird. You don't know what to expect when you get a, a midday game. Uh, good crowd there in Colorado and a, and a fun, entertaining game. Reese Dutch named the first star as he just keeps clicking along here for his Roughnecks. Chris Bushy really kind of taking another step forward. I thought Dan Taylor had a good game. Christian Del Bianco and Dylan Ward really battled each other all day long. But the Roughnecks, uh, as I predicted, Evan Schemenauer, come out on top 11 8 the final uh, for Calgary, which you got to think, like, we're going to talk to Westberg about this, Evan, but with Calgary winning this game and getting another win under their belt, does this crank up the pressure on Berg and Dixon to maybe concede a little bit to get in because Calgary keeps winning games without them? Yeah, well, and I, I don't know if it does because if you look at the roster that Calgary had there, they're not going to win too many games with 39 shots on goal. Their transition really pushed a lot of the offense in this game, and they caught Colorado off. Because I thought back after we made our picks last week, it's like, oh, yeah, Tyler Pace has immigration issues. He's not going to be there. 
So now you got no pace, no King, no Burt, no Dixon. This should be a cakewalk for Colorado and Colorado's often. You know, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, what do you what do you think the issue is there? Because Colorado now opened two out of the gates here and they did put up twelve in their opener, but against San Diego, but they only manage eight against Calgary here. What do you what do you attribute the the struggles for the Mammoth out of the gates? Do you think it might be the new coaching staff really not having it, to to put their stamp on their team quite yet? It's got to be because this is the same group that there was out there last year and producing highlight reel after highlight reel goal, and you don't see these guys crash in the net. You don't see them in sync. A lot of missed passes. It's just something off in the system. I don't. There's the talents there. Uh, they just got to put it together. Yeah, and I and I think they will. I think Pat Coyle is an excellent coach, and I think he'll he'll dial those guys in. And you got Dylan <laughs> Ward back there, who's going to give you a chance to win every night. But it's uh, it's the offense that's got to get going. Um, no question about it. Uh, maybe we'll we'll see a deal to kind of bolster that uh, mammoth lineup. Speaking of deals. We did have a big one take place over the weekend, and the big cat is back in Philadelphia where he started his National Lacrosse League career. The trade has finally happened as the New England Black Wolves ship holdout Kevin Crowley back to Philadelphia where he is residing now, and they get two first-round picks in return, something that they desperately needed. I think this ends up being a good deal for both teams. Yeah, no, New England didn't have a first-round draft pick, I think, till 2022 at this stage. So getting a couple back uh, definitely helps. For Philly, yeah, you got you got the local guy. You you got a better chance of signing him in free agency because he can stay local. Um, and, and perhaps Philly's got the budget to make the numbers work for Crowley where New England didn't. I've been heard there's some budget cuts going on there. So, uh it probably makes a deal work. The key, I think, for Philly, though, is to get um, Crowley signed to a long-term deal. I don't think that's going to be an issue. But end of the day, it's done. Uh, he should be back in the lineup soon. And, yeah, it, it really did work for both teams. The question there really now is, uh, Red Hickey was on crutches. Well, that, yeah, that probably uh, expedited the deal even more so once they found out that news. The other thing I want to mention here quickly before we get to Westberg here on Lacrosse Classified, um, you, you mentioned Eddie Como, or Camo, as they like to say down in Georgia. Um, uh, they had him mic'd up on the bench, which is super cool, and they had Steve Priolo mic'd up out on the floor, which was really neat as well, and, and I I love to see that out of the National Lacrosse League. I want to see more. I want to hear more of that sort of thing. I think the fans love it. I know I love it, and I think they should do more of it. No, it's just like, you know, I wish they'd bring back the U-Hawk, too, because that was actually a neat feature, getting to see the, sure. the, the play from a player's view. Yeah. So that's another thing they should possibly look at adding to the roster. No doubt about it. Uh, all right, let's get to our first guest here on the other side. Wesley Berg of Warrior Sports and Pure Vita Labs is coming up next here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. 
PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. This is John Tavares, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Star Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Thanks to our good friends at Pure Vita Labs. Fans, anything else would be unsportsmanlike. You can find them online at pvl.com or their social media at Pure Vita Labs. It's Jake Elliott at 7 Sheminar and now joined by one of the athletes sponsored by PVL in one Wesley Berg. I want to say a member of the Calgary Roughnecks West, but that just isn't the case right now. So let's go with Warrior-sponsored athlete, a PVL-sponsored athlete as well. How's the Iceman doing? I'm doing well. I had a good uh, good Christmas vacation and got to see some family. And, uh, yeah, things are, things are good. Uh, did you, you made it home for the holidays, I take it, back to Coquitlam here? Yep. Yeah, I've been home for the last little bit, and then I was uh, up in Prince George visiting some family, some grandparents, and uh, and cousins and things. So it was, yeah, it was a good, uh, good little Christmas break. I guess it can't be easy uh, watching games instead of playing games, especially uh, after a big upset win uh, today. In my mind, anyways, against Colorado. Uh, what you doing uh, to keep the hands sharp, keep the fitness up uh, while you're waiting for things to get resolved? Uh, I've been playing lots of lots of hockey and uh you know getting getting back in the gym and keeping my physio up and um and yeah getting get in the gym a lot so I'm putting on a bit of weight good weight hopefully but uh trying to keep my cardio up and that's uh it's always difficult to stay in stay in game shape when you're not playing in games but um that's been good that the time off you know you play lacrosse all year round and yeah, uh, yeah, you want to be out there, and you, you miss your teammates. You got such a great group of guys and great coaches. It's it's tough not not being out there and being in this situation, but that's just part of life. Well, yeah, I, we want to talk about that a little bit, Wes, here. But I, like even going back to last year when you spend your your winters in Calgary, I always see your Instagram story, and uh, you like to get out on the ice and play a little stick and puck. Uh, do you have a background in hockey? Where does that love of getting out there on the ice come from? Yeah, yeah, I grew up playing hockey here in Coquitlam, and that's kind of uh, you know one of the sports I enjoyed the most besides lacrosse growing up. And uh, Calgary was awesome. I live live with uh, Tor Reinhold, so we have the uh, this nice kind of sheltered um, ice rink, right? Probably about not even a block from his house, where we go out and play all the time, and uh, that was awesome. And then this this Christmas, playing some outdoor shinny on uh, on the ponds was was always a good time, and it's. You know, it's a good way to stay in shape and, and keep the hands uh, hands fresh and, and uh, you know, just go out and have some fun. I guess Warrior probably hooks you up with some hockey gear as well. Yeah, yeah, I get a, I'm lucky to get to use some of their uh, their new sticks. And they don't have skates, but uh, they've got, when I'm playing some beer league games, they hook me up with some gear. It's great. I play some games with uh, Stephen Newfeld, the, the snoof man, and, and uh, get out with him quite a bit. I'll fill in for his team, so that's always fun. Now, before we get into the big questions, one thing that uh, you and I actually have in common, uh, you had the opportunity to play down in Bermuda, of all places, before. 
uh, played at the King of the Rock tournament. I actually was one of the founders of Bermuda Lacrosse 16 years ago. Tell me about your experience down there, and did those swizzles catch up with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, what a great place that is and a fun tournament. There's a group of guys that, that bring us out that are just awesome, and uh, Jake and, and Armin and those guys that, that have us out, Mark and Shane uh, were there the first year I went, and, and Jeremy Noble, and um, uh, been a few guys that have kind of come and go, and we weren't weren't able to make it, but just such a fun tournament, and what a beautiful area. It's kind of like the eastern uh, version of Hawaii. Out, there's just an island out there, and pretty cool to be, you know, see some of that culture and and just enjoy that that weather out there. Well, and I'll tell you, we're working on the potential of a box lacrosse tournament. You'll have to check that arena out. That is something else. It's it's on a peninsula, up on a cliff top, yeah, surrounded I've, by ocean in three different directions. I've seen the picture <laughs> of this. It looks absolutely incredible. Wow. Like I know, I know, me and you, Wesley, uh, love Smith Box, but you got you seriously need to see a picture of this box in Bermuda. It is unbelievable. It's if you go to on Twitter Bermuda Ball Hockey, it's the first picture that's there. Yeah, like that green blue ocean surrounding it in three directions. It's something else. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. They've got uh, they're starting to do some things like that in the in the west in, in San Diego and up that coastline where they have the the outdoor boxes that they're pretty nice to be able to play box across and and still enjoy the sunshine. Speaking with Wesley Berg. Um, all right, Wes, let's get into it here a little bit. Uh, enough of the the softballs, if you will. Um, still without a contract here with the Calgary Roughnecks. You and Mister Curtis Dixon uh, still without contracts. And for fans that don't know, you both have the same agent as well. We haven't really gotten an update in a while. Can you tell us um, where you guys are at? You specifically is is the deal any closer than it's been over the last month? Um, what's your gut telling you? Do you think you're going to play lacrosse in the NLL this season? Uh, I mean, it's been um, you know not a lot of lot of uh, conversation lately, and um, I don't I don't know where it's going to go from here. But it kind of gets later on in the season. You don't know. You don't know what happens, and it's. You know, it's the risk you're kind of willing willing to take. That I think it was the only way to kind of negotiate a deal. Um, in the past, even this is kind of what you have to do. It's you know, take it or leave it offers, and sometimes you got to take that risk. And you know, it's 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 tough. You miss all the all the guys on the team, and you know, such a great group. And you just look how how well they're doing with all the depth that depth that they have, and you know, just some unreal guys and and great players. And uh, you know, you miss them and. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough part, but I don't see uh, too much happening in the near future. Just the way the way talks have been going, so um, your guess is good as mine at this point. Can you tell us what the biggest issue is? I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose contracts it always comes down to the money, but is it the length of term? Is it the amount of money during the term? Is it bonuses? Is it living expenses? Where is the roadblock that? you and, and Mike Board have uh, found an impasse at? Yeah, it's something, you know, I've been advised not to get into right now, and it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure there might be a story that'll that'll come out and in the end with the, with the details in it and, and how frustrating it is because it's not, uh, you know, we're not looking at a at a deal like, like NFL or even NHL, even close to that. It's over, you know, a couple thousand bucks. Um, and that's, you know, that's the reality of it. It's tough, but... Um, 
you know, that's uh, that's kind of the point. You have to, you can't be threatened to, to sign a, you know, take it or leave it offer at certain points, and that's where you get to at this at this uh, stage. And you know, it is a it is a bummer to be to be in this situation, but um, I took the risk, and, and Curtis and I both did, and that's kind of how it goes. And um, you know, the team will, it, like I said, they've got a ton of ton of great players and in in great depth, and they'll do well. And um, you know, we'll see if something happens down the road. But uh, at this point, there's there's really been no movement or or uh, or talking at all. So yeah, it's and maybe. Kind of and maybe that's one of the things there is like you've lost now a quarter of a season salary. Is the amount of the dispute really worth losing that much up front? It's a long term thing, right? You can be pressured into doing it as a as a rookie where it's only about nine thousand bucks you're making and then even as a sophomore, but you know, when I you look at it now where where Dixon's been playing here for eight years now and you know, playing unbelievable as a household name there and the way he's still he's still treated and, and things it's it's tough and you you got to uh, you got to be able to stick up for yourself and and um, you know do what you think's right and sometimes you lose out on some money in the short term and and you know you, you lose out on on uh, enjoying the time with your teammates and stuff and that's the worst part but in the grand scheme of things um, it's something you got to be willing to do and and take that risk and and that's what we did couple more minutes here with Wesley Berg. Um, would you entertain playing for another team if it came to that? Would you ask for a trade, or would you be open to to getting traded if it came to that? But, you know, the talks of that haven't even uh, haven't even happened. We're still uh, working on getting on the phone with with Calgary and see what uh, what other what other even options there are. So um, who knows at this point? Um, right now, I just. Uh, Focusing on some other things with um, with Warrior and, and PBL and coaching with uh, Pat Pace's program, and that's kind of uh, you know uh, where my mindset is is right now. And and um, you know, there's nothing nothing I can do at this point. You just gotta let things things play out. Yeah, well, those are those are three things that I actually wanted to bring up with you, Wes. Is we'll we'll put the tough ones aside. I appreciate you answering those questions, Wes, because it's it's stuff that that fans want to hear. You know, they they see all they see is you and Curtis not playing, and they don't know why you're not playing. And and I know you can't really get into the specifics of it all, but um, I appreciate I appreciate you answering those questions. Let's let's talk about Warrior Lax. I see more and more every time I watch a National Lacrosse League game, guys using the warp. You were one of the first, you and Tyler Pace, maybe the first guy to use it in, in live competition, and you weren't too far behind. Uh, what's happening with Warrior and the warp, and what can we expect to see coming on the market? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, no, it's, it's been really exciting, just, um, you know, the development that they've had in the, in the technology. And, and I've got Zach Courier, who's a, an engineer out of, out of Princeton and, and playing on, on Calgary, and um, just a really bright, bright guy who's, He's, he's been huge to just help the development of these uh, these sticks that are the uh, pretty groundbreaking. So um, you know he's been a huge part of it, and everybody out in uh, Warp City at, at Detroit that's been putting a ton of effort into these. And um, um, you know more and more guys have, have tried them out and liked them, and they are a great uh, a great tool where you don't have to worry about your stick uh, ripping on you and changing things or. Or any of that, you've, you've always got a backup that's uh, you know the same as this, the stick you're using before. So um, it is it is the future. It's you know it's taking a lot of time to 
to get there and there's still some some things to work out but it's um it's been a really exciting job to be working with with zach and everybody in detroit and and uh you know trying to get these things to the point where that's kind of you know you have kids growing up using them and they don't have the air of yeah. having their parents try to spring or anything like that and and uh, you know, not everybody can have Stephen Newfeld string their stick set. Get get the show in there, there for Sniff for sure. I actually got yeah, a head that I need. If to... I could have every kid use a use a stick strung by him, then we we wouldn't need the warps. But that's not the reality in in this world. And you know, you look at some of these places. Texas is getting big with uh, Little Cross and places down south where not a lot of people that know how to. Right. Uh, string a traditional stick or, or just a regular mesh one so they've been an awesome tool and you see tons of these kids um jumping on board and there's no uh, it's it's no longer kind of a manufacturer error or anything like that where they don't enjoy it and, and quit because their sticks falling apart it's uh so it's it's been been fun speaking with wesley berg i honestly believe that one day that like the warp's just going to take over lacrosse completely, and you're going to see everybody using those things. Just for the simple fact, like you said, there's no adjustment needed. You take it right off the shelf. You go play. You don't have to worry about it getting wet or stretched out or anything like that. Uh, mind you, though, you got a couple of shout-outs in for lacrosse experts and our boy Snoof. I got to get. I got a new head. I got to get down there. I got to get it done up in some rush colors, so I'm going to take it down there to my man Snoof because I've been looking for a guy to string up a stick, and he just reminded me he's probably one of the best out there, so I'm going to do that. A um, couple more minutes here with Wesley Berg before we let you go. You mentioned Tyler Pace's program, Pacific Coast Lacrosse. You were one of the coaches of that program. You know, it's really a star-studded lineup as far as coaches go. Um, I believe it was Baltimore a couple of months ago, uh, back in, in the late fall. What's on the horizon for Pacific Coast Lacrosse and, and T-Pace's program? Yeah, you know, it's been, been an awesome program, similar to, to Elevate that uh, Snyder's run out of Calgary, where, you know, they really put a lot of effort into helping these young kids get a chance to play college in the States and and, uh, and get a scholarship and, and help them financially with that. And, uh you know, there's been some some programs in BC, but nothing that's really, uh, I think, stuck so far. And um, yeah, they started out, you know, uh, two years ago, just with the, the U18 kind of program and a couple younger kids showing in and practicing. And now it's it's grown quite a bit with the U13, U15, and U18, and now even with the uh, the indoor that's starting tomorrow tomorrow night at uh, the Fieldhouse there in Langley. So we uh, have Christian Del Bianco, you know, no better goal you could you could ask for to, to learn from, um, you know, from the goalie aspect and then Dixon and Chetner and Kyle Soros and Tyler Pace and myself just coaching some of the, uh, the box game. And, and, uh, that's kind of, we switched gears this time of year to the box. And then back in the fall, we'll, uh, we'll get back into doing the field across again. Well, I'll tell you what, the, uh, the, if you get the phenom in goal, he's going to rattle those kids confidence because none of them are going to be able to score a goal on the kid. <laughs> I think he's doing a little more instructing. Than oh, okay. Up, but okay, okay. Oh, and Christian, I know he'll he'll put the pads on uh, <laughs> and get in there. I'm sure one of his practices, he, you know, he, he's the best for that. Whenever you need a goalie to go and shoot, he's always uh, he, he he's right. always in there and and uh, you know playing that. Feeling your confidence a little bit because you, especially those uh, those smaller nets you can't oh, score yeah. on them. But yeah. now he's great. He's great to get out to, to the box. And, well, he likes to pick up the short uh, stick every now and then too. Yeah. He 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 doesn't mind going for a run with uh, oh, yeah. with the midi stick as well. Uh, last one here for you, uh, Wesley Berg. As uh, we mentioned coming out of the break, there Pure Vital Labs. You were 
one of the uh, sponsored athletes for one of our sponsors here on the Lacrosse Classified podcast. Um, talk about what those guys have done for your game, your fitness, and uh, your training regimen. Uh, really good products coming from PVL, and why? What made you want to sign up with these guys? Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Ryan Keller and uh, Victor Nunez. Actually, he went to the middle school with me when I was a lot younger and was friends with my older brother growing up, and he's who reached out to me and, and asked if I wanted to kind of check out their their spot that's right in Poco actually only about 10 minutes from my house and um, they, they do an awesome job just from um, you know these, these supplements that are all all natural and help you stay hydrated and help you recover and things like that when your body's breaking down and you know a lot of things that help with with inflammation and, and just wear and tear on the body playing so much across um, the products are awesome and then you know they've got some good programs for for working out and and things like that. So they've been they've been awesome and, and signing a lot of lacrosse guys and really making a, a push in in the world of lacrosse to to get their product out there and um, and help just help grow the game. You know they're big big advocates of of getting lacrosse on the level of some of these these other major sports and. And they put a lot of time and effort into it. It's, it's just great to be be a part of. Well, I'll tell you what, Wes. Uh, I hope there comes a point in the very near future where you really need to start taking those products because your body is breaking down because you're playing so much lacrosse. Uh, I really hope uh, you and Calgary can uh, work something out and uh, we can get the Iceman back on the turf uh, running and gunning with the Roughnecks because you are really uh, literally one of my favorite players to watch uh, play ball, man. So best of luck with that. I appreciate your time coming on and uh, hopefully we can catch up down the road here. Yeah, appreciate that, Jumbo, and thanks for having me on. Alrighty, that was Wesley Berg, hopefully of the Calgary Roughnecks sooner than later, and also a PVL-sponsored athlete. And uh, one of the first guys, Evan, to ever pick up a warp and play with it in competition, and now you just look across the league and you can find guys on every single team. More and more guys are going to the warp uh, by Warrior uh, to their choice of weaponry, if you will. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's those guys that just love to play with their stick, love to have their stick a certain way. But when you have a stick that, you know, a head like a warp that, you know, you know how it throws and you know it's not going to change. It's sure it's two hundred, three hundred dollars to get a head, but at that level, you can get that kind of accuracy. You're going to see a lot of guys going to a similar type stick in the future. I was going to say you might even be able to score a goal using one of those things, Evan. Oh, I'm I'm a D man. Hands of stone? Are you kidding me? I think Kyle Rubish has a better chance of scoring a goal than I do. Oh, 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 oh my! Uh, hopefully, I I really hope Rubes is listening because uh, I'm going to get the gears next time I'm on the bus with the boys uh, after that cheap shot from you, Evan. Uh, oh no, we've had a good uh, a good conversation back and forth with Rubes about his. Two years without a goal. He finally managed to get one late last season, That's so it's right. all good. That's right. All right, so we got to get to break, and after we do that, we will get – I was kind of hoping we would get happy Cody Jamison, but I think we're going to get angry Cody Jamison as he's coming off a 13-4 loss to the hands of the Buffalo Bandits. But we got Jammer on the other side right here on the Lacrosse Classified podcast. On Lax Ulster, stick around. We're right back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. 
They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hi there, this is Wesley Berg with Border Sports uh, PVL Supplement. You're listening to the Lacrosse Classified Podcast on Max All Cars. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. They create first impressions, and they do a darn good job of that. You can visit them online at associated-labels.com or visit their social media at Associated LP, as in Labels and Packaging. It's Jake Elliott, it's Evan Scheminauer, and now joined by a member of the Rochester Nighthawks and the Six Nations Chiefs, also a sponsored athlete for Team 22 Under Armour. And one, Cody Jammer Jameson. Cody, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, let's let's get into it right away here, I suppose. A, a tough one for your Nighthawks against the Bandits over the weekend, 13-4. You've been... You've played with Matt Vince for a long, long time, and I'm sure you've had multiple games where you've seen Vino play at that level, and you guys have gotten convincing wins. What was it like being on the other side and knowing Vince was in the zone like that? Was it just a game where it was like, man, this is not going to be our night? No, I think, uh, you know, I thought we were right, <clears throat> right in <clears throat> right in the game until, you know, until everything st- started to go sideways on us. It was only 5-2 at halftime. And, you know, as a team, we still felt like we were getting opportunity. Um, even though we only scored two goals in the first half, we were getting opportunity. And, uh, you know, that all we needed to do was stick a couple in and, uh, you know, we'd be right back in it. In it. But, uh, you know, that third quarter, we kind of kind of went sideways a little bit, gave up transition goals, which we don't normally tend to do. But, you know, uh, they got a couple goals in transition and kind of widened the gap a little bit. And, you know, once, uh, you know, everybody knows once Vino gets comfortable and, you know, he's awesome at playing with the lead and, uh, you know, we couldn't come back from that. Yeah, Evan mentioned right at the end of the first half that late goal from Perillo and, and then they get one early in the third quarter. You mentioned you were right there at halftime, but uh, those those kind of two goals that bookend the, the end of the first half and the start of the second half were probably tough pills to swallow. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really... Re- I didn't, get, I didn't get to watch the game back again, but I, so I don't really remember um, those two goals per se. Uh, just what exactly happened? I know Perillo got a, a breakaway um, at the end, and they scored pretty quick, uh, which usually doesn't happen, uh, especially off of a faceoff. Uh, you know, with us having having Wiz, and you know, but that wasn't that wasn't uh, you know our bench didn't didn't erupt, and you know we uh, we still felt confident. Uh, in, in the game, and uh, I, so I really don't know what kind of turned it around. So, I mean, most of the night uh, offensively, you weren't getting the ball inside. Almost all the shots were coming from distance. Is that one of the adjustments you got to make going forward, or is it just this wasn't the night and we just got to, you got to continue to play your game plan? Yeah, we're, we, we've got strong outside shooters, so we're, we feel confident. Um, even if we're not getting the ball inside, you know, I, you know, for me personally too, and I think a couple other guys, I think maybe we just wanted to, wanted that one a little bit too bad. Uh, you know, we kind of, 
you know, I, I personally, I really wanted to stick it to uh, stick it to Vino and hang <laughs> every shot I took. I wanted to score, and uh, you know, it didn't it didn't happen that way. So, you know, maybe it was a little bit too much emotion going into that game. Uh, you know, trying trying to score a little bit too much, and uh, you know, not not going through with with what we wanted to do and the game plan. Speaking with Cody Jamison here of the Rochester Nighthawks and, and Jammer, I want to talk about a couple of teammates of yours and, and first maybe we can touch on uh your buddy ang bang angus goodleaf who's after a long time watching and sitting behind matt vince gets his opportunity to be a starter had a fabulous performance uh against the philadelphia wings getting a win in in his first start uh, of the year and and i thought he was solid again here against the bandits uh, it wasn't like he cost you the game or anything so good to see gussie finally become a starter in the national lacrosse league because he's worked so hard and waited so long to get that opportunity yeah, he's uh, he's a very good friend of mine. So it is it is awesome that uh, that he gets this opportunity. Um, you know, he's he's been he's been right there for a long time, and uh, you know, playing behind Vino, you know, he kind of expected uh, you know not to get the minutes, but every time he came in in relief uh, over the past few years, he's been you know lights out for us. He's helped us win a few games that uh, you know might have got out of hand uh, when Vino did have a bad game. So. It's good to get for him to get to get it going, and uh, you know, we played awesome these first two games. You know, definitely this. Um, I don't. Know, what was the final score? Fourteen to three. Thirteen four. I thirteen believe. to thirteen to four. So you know, that's uh, holding holding a Buffalo team to thirteen. Uh, you know, maybe it could have been different if uh, offense put up a little couple more goals, and we didn't have to pressure out as much. He might not have let in a, a couple more, but. Um, he's been playing awesome for us, uh, and he's he's looked great. And the other guy I wanted to mention, uh, and it's a guy that you're playing on on the left side with, with no Fennell there, is, has been Robinson, who I didn't really know anything about and had a chance to kind of watch for the first couple of times. Big body. I've been really impressed with this kid. Uh, just talk about him. Where did he come from, and and how are you meshing with him so far? I know, I know you and Vitarelli have been playing together for so long, and and you guys are seamless. But when you inject a new guy into the lineup, uh, he's been a nice addition and a nice big body over there to to clear some space for you. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, he came in last year at the end of at the end of last year. Uh, he was with us. He was with us uh, for the finals just against Saskatchewan as a practice player, and we didn't really know much of him. He he kind of. We had him out the back door, so he wasn't really with us practicing with our offense, and uh, so that's where I kind of introduced him. He was a, he's a hockey player. He was living, uh, you know, played in the OHL, and he was um, playing college hockey, so I didn't really know too much of him um, before that, but this summer he played with the Coburg Kodiaks, and, uh, you know, he, he ripped apart our Chiefs team for, for three or four, maybe even five in the summertime in, in one game, and that's kind of why I was, oh, he's an old guy, so... Um, showing up to camp, I knew he was a big body, big, strong guy. Um, and after seeing him play offense this summer, I was definitely excited uh, that he came back to us and uh, to have an opportunity to play with him. Going back uh, to the week before this, there was uh, a lot of reaction on social media with the empty net goal there against Philly. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, Here we go. I, I, had, I had no issue with the shot. To me, you need to score that goal. You need to make sure it's in the back of the net. And if a guy's going to stand there rather than try and defend you, that's on him. Uh, of course, I'm in the minority on that thought process. What are your thoughts as to what happened there? Well, I just, uh, you know, when I picked up the ball, I thought it was going to be an empty net, like an easy dump in. And, uh, you know, he jumped in the way, so I had to take some steps. And, 
all I was thinking was, you know, I can't get saved by this guy because I play enough backyard <laughs> lacrosse to know that, you know, it, that that sometimes you can get lucky by throwing an arm out there, kicking your leg out there. So I didn't want to be on the other end of the highlight reel uh, getting saved by by Chet. So uh, the original plan was just to wind up hard and hope that he he, he hope that he changed his changed his mind or changed his stance a little bit in my favor. Um, you know, but when but when he stood in there and you know tightened up like a goalie would, uh, you know, I kind of had no option. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna let him uh, save me. And you went you went you reared back and went top cheddar with it. And, and I got to give Chet some credit here because he. Like, he didn't even flinch. He just stood there. And I don't know how many guys are staring down a shot from Cody Jamison from point-blank distance and not flinching uh, when you rear back like that. Uh, that was something to behold. What I what I really kind of liked was the week after at practice with the Nighthawks, you put, like, a cup on somebody's head and, and zinged a, a ball off the top of it and kind of said, you know, if I, if I really wanted to hit somebody, I think I could. Yeah, that was an old, that was, uh, that was an old one. That was a Vino uh that was me and Vino messing around. Okay, uh, I couldn't find. We have. I have another one where I shot a bottle off of um, Craig Rubinsky's, and he wasn't wearing a helmet. <laughs> um, so I, I talk, somehow I talked him into uh, into letting me shoot a bottle off his head with no helmet on. But I I don't know where that film went. Uh, Ripper is a brave man, I must say. Uh, Speaking with Cody Jamison of the Nighthawks, uh, the Six Nations Chiefs, and Team 22, Under Armour, why don't we touch on that a little bit, Cody? Uh, What's new with uh, Team 22? What can we uh, look to to find from Under Armour coming out this season as far as gear goes? I think, think, you know, majority of the league would say, like, our stuff is is awesome. You know, I've been been really liking our stuff. I'm, I've always been a, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's not protective, but I've been a comfort over protective, uh, my whole, my whole life. I want to feel comfortable out there. And, uh, you know, the stuff that we got is it really holds true to that. The comfort level is unreal. And, uh, so I, we're looking forward to just more, more good product coming out. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, I actually got a, got a hand in helping design, designed some of the sticks and some of the heads uh you know the command head is kind of built the way i the way i like it to to, to be yeah i was so, gonna ask you what kind of setup do you like to use you use a command head what kind of mat you go hard mesh soft mesh what kind of shaft do you like to use what kind of pocket do you like to have in your stick for the for the kids that want to be like cody jameson out there um i'm, I'm just a, like a semi-hard like a not not overly hard i like to hold its shape a little bit and have a little bit of crispness to my my pocket um so i use semi-hard mesh uh you know back when they had hard hard mesh i would use take out the lotion or or you know soften it up somehow uh a little fabric softener maybe yeah i can't i can't use uh soft mesh because i like to have a deep pocket um kind of to help me hang on to the ball i guess uh you know me and randy are always going back and me and randy's thoughts are always going back and forth over over our pocket style this is a lot smaller compared to mine but we both carry the ball the same as much um so i like to have a nice crisp crisp pocket i like to call it and uh you know all the shooters that i have they're just basically their uh you know comfort level i guess now you've had the chance to go out to Halifax, do some promotion for the team out there. Just wondering, what's the what do you feel the dynamics like out in Halifax? And by the same token, 
What's the dynamic with the fans in Rochester this year, knowing that you guys are there this year, but you're not going to be there next year? Yeah, I went out there once uh, one for one event, and uh, you know it was well received. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was a little bit exciting and also a little bit bittersweet because I, I have got pretty close to a few of the fans and a few of the families in Rochester. Um, so it, it was exciting, but it was also bittersweet knowing. But at you know, at the end of the day, us as players, we have no control over over uh, you know where we go or <clears throat> or where we play. So we, you know, as players, our our goal is always the same, and it's always to bring a championship to Rochester, like we did, uh, you know, three times in my in my career. Yeah, speaking of threes, I saw a stat come up on the on the game about you, and you're like third all time in assists, third all time in points, third all time in goal. It was really kind of a weird dynamic to see how many threes popped up on uh, the screen as far as you and and where you fall in Nighthawks history as far as the numbers go. One thing you know where you're going to play is next week, and that's going to be down in San Diego, Cody Jamison. Uh, how for, forward are you looking to get down to uh, SoCal and, and check out San Diego and play a game against the Seals? Yeah, um, you know, when we go to, go do a bunch of talks and clinics, you know, we we always say how far lacrosse has taken us. Uh, you know, we played all over the world and, you know, San Diego is one place that I've never, never been to. So I'm excited to, uh, to go down there, um, and, and play and see, and see what kind of lacrosse fans they have. Uh, you know, we want to grow the game, not just locally and not just in the, in the hot markets, but I want to see San Diego succeed and hopefully, uh, you know, lacrosse really, really blows up out there. Uh, last one for me. Um, You've got, in my opinion, you've got the best shot in the league, and I'm not even going to put anybody else in your category. For those youngsters out there that want to develop a shot like yours, what do you, what advice do you give them? Well, obviously, just practice. Uh, you know, it takes it takes a long time to develop to develop a shot that you're comfortable with, and uh, you know, I I've always been a firm believer, and my dad, my father, kind of ingrained it in me about shooting overhand and how how much that changes everything. Uh, you know, I could go all day about shooting and, and what I think about it, but you know, as long as, as long as you're practicing and as long as you can, uh, you know, hit, hit every spot on the net, all four corners with the same looking shot. So you want, you want all the shot, all your shots to, to look the same and resemble the same. So a goalie can't really pick up on, you know, what corner you're going to go to when you drop your stick to at a certain level. Um, that's really the only thing that I, that uh, you know, it really makes sense to me is you're trying to make all your shots look very, very similar, um, so that nobody can predict what corner you're going to shoot it at. Well, I can tell you this, Jammer. Chet Kinesny had no idea where you were shooting that ball. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, I do a lot of I do a lot of reading, and uh, you know, what one of the things I really got into since I've been in the NLL is uh, studying pitching. Actually, okay. So I read a lot about um, you know pitchers and the way they the way they designed it or design it or the way they're fundamentally you know throwing pitches at different spots on the on their target but all of them look the same so no so the batter can't read what kind of pitch is coming next right right yeah that's interesting i try try and uh you know read up and i got a few books on you know different pitching tendencies or 
how to uh, how to disguise it that way. Yeah, I think that I think that's a really kind of an interesting comparison. The way pitchers kind of disguise their pitches, whether it's a changeup or a slider or a fastball that's coming at you, as long as they have the same biomechanics and, and same motion that they're going to go through every time, that really leaves uh, the batter guessing. And I think you can totally translate that to lacrosse and and a shooter shooting on a goalie. So uh, that, that's a great analogy, Cody, and uh, I really. Appreciate your time coming on here, Lacrosse Klaus. I believe this is the first time we've had a chance to chat uh, on Lax Klaus, so I appreciate your time. You stopping by, especially after a tough loss, and I want to wish you and your Nighthawks the best of luck uh, heading down to San Diego next weekend. Okay, thank you very much. All right, it's Cody Jamison of the Rochester Nighthawks. One more short break, and then it's our famous segment right here in Lacrosse Classified. It's Who You Got coming up next here on Lax All-Stars. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. This is Tyson Geick of the NLL Flash. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Uh, big thanks to Extreme Threads fans. You know the deal by now, but if you don't, if you're a new listener here to Lacrosse Classified, this is what you do. You go to extremethreads.ca, you check out all their apparel, they got Everything you could ever want as far as the jerseys, the jackets, the clothes, the pennies, they got it all. Sign your team up for an apparel package, and then your coach and your manager, they get free stuff, but they only get it if you mention my name. So make sure you do that. Go to sales at extremethreads.com, sign your team up, mention my name, get free stuff. How good is that? And speaking of good, Evan Schemenauer, some great chats there with Wesley Berg and Cody Jamison. Uh, some interesting stuff coming out of those two. Yeah, and I was thinking back to the interview with Berg. Um, you know, Calgary fans are going to be very nervous as to when these two guys get back, and uh, understandably so. A couple things to really take away from that one. First off, it looks like both guys want long-term deals. And, you know, people ask, you know, why is Curtis Dixon not signing? He's a franchise player. The salary set. He wants something long-term. And I think that's got to be comforting for Calgary fans that those two want to be there for a while. But the other thing that was a real takeaway was the take-it-or-leave-it yeah, deal. Yeah, and I was that, just going to that. That makes me worry that Calgary may not have backed off its original offer. And if that's the case, this could last quite a long time. Yeah, sounds like uh, sounds like it's hardball city in Calgary right now, and it's going to be real interesting to see how that all plays out. Especially if the Roughnecks keep winning games, uh, you got to wonder if Wes and, and Curtis are prepared to sit out an entire season. It kind of sounds like they are, and it kind of sounds like Calgary is prepared to go a full season without him. So. Hopefully two of the best in the game get back in the league sooner than later because uh, the Roughnecks are better with them. The fans are better off having them in the league, and uh, the league is better as a whole having having Westberg and Curtis Dixon in it uh, playing lacrosse at a high level. 
as uh, we run into the back half of the show here and uh, one more segment to come. It's uh, taking the lacrosse world by storm, Evan. We like to call it who you got. And since I have now regained the lead here in our weekly picks, I suppose you can ask me who I got. Yeah. (laughs) No more of this. I'm going to take this team because you're taking the other side. Here we go. Georgia, Philly. I'm assuming you're going to take the swarm on this one. Evan, the segment is called Who You Got. (laughs) So when you tee up the game, when you want me to make my pick, you say... Who you got. Okay, there we go. Georgia at (laughs) Philadelphia. I am going to take the swarm. Yeah, I think uh, the Swarmer right now are the, the best team in the league. Uh, so I'm going to take them as well. I think they're the only undefeated team left in the league. Am I not mistaken on that? No, Rochester. Oh, no, sorry. Rochester was. Rochester isn't anymore. They are the only one left. 3-0 and Georgia so, Swarm. We're both taking the Swarm over the Philadelphia Wings, who yeah. should have Kevin Crowley in their lineup. We're both still taking the Swarm. Yeah, and then we get the interesting, you got to have four computers going at the same time because we got four games starting within an hour one another Saturday night. Starting in Colorado, the Toronto Rock coming to town. Who you got? Man, oh, man, oh, man. This is a tough one for me because Toronto's coming off a pretty big overtime victory. Colorado 0-2, but playing at home again. I think Toronto's playing good, but I think Colorado is going to be real desperate to get a win. I, ooh, this is a tough one. Who I got? I, uh, I'm going to take Colorado. Yeah, I debated this one forever. I'm going to take the Rock just because they've got a bit of momentum going their way. Colorado's still got to find their way a bit. So I'm going to take the Rock, but yeah, that one is a coin flip for me. Next up, New England, New England. and Calgary. New England, you can go all the way to Calgary. Who you got? Man, can the Roughnecks keep it rolling at home? I'm going to take the Calgary Roughnecks because if there's one thing I've learned, Evan, over the last couple of weeks, you don't bet against the Phenom. Christian Del Bianco, I'm taking the Roughnecks. I'm taking the Roughnecks, too. A bit of a long road trip for some of those guys in New England. I think Calgary's going to have the upper edge there. Oh, then the game that you will be on the Rush radio broadcast for the Rush coming to Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Who you got? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'm taking Vancouver, Evan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm taking Saskatchewan. I am taking Saskatchewan all day. And and no disrespect here to Vancouver, obviously. But being on Saskatchewan radio, I'm not about to tee myself up for for hate mail or anything. And and I just, you know, I flat out think Saskatchewan is a better team. And uh, I'm taking the rush. I mean, you could pick Saskatchewan the rest of the season. You're probably going to go about... Uh, well, hey, on it. don't give my strategy <laughs> away because I might just do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm taking the rush too. This is a home game for a lot of these guys. Uh, a lot of their family members be in the audience. Uh, the, the rush should roll in this one. I, I don't think they'll have any issues. Then we got the final game of the night. Rochester making the long trip down to San Diego. Who do you got? 
Ooh, another interesting game here. Uh, Rochester just took a heavy defeat at the hands of the Bandits. They got to go from the East Coast to the West Coast. San Diego, I think, is going to be ultimately pumped up for their home opener. The last team to bust open their new arena. They already got a win under their belt. I am going to take the San Diego Seals in this one, Evan. debated this one quite a bit, and I was thinking back to when the Rush had their home opener in Saskatoon. They actually blew it because of the amount of uh, promotional appearances they made that day. But I'm going to take the Seals. I think it's it's a long road trip for Rochester. Uh, Seals are going to be putting everything they can into this one to get the home crowd behind them and hopefully get the crowds back. Okay, so just to recap here, make sure you got your pen and paper handy, Evan, because I'm about to recap our picks here for this week's installment of Who You Got. We're both taking Georgia. We're both taking Calgary. We're both taking Saskatchewan, and we're both taking San Diego. You got Toronto. I got Colorado. So the worst I can do coming out of this week's action is be tied with you. The best I can do is be two picks up, which I fully intend to be. After Saturday <laughs> night, that's okay. I'll I'll keep winning week after week, and then I'll slowly get ahead of you. They don't need to do it all at once. Fair enough, my friends. All right, that brings us to a close of another episode of Lacrosse Classified here, right on Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Um, make sure you subscribe on Google Play, on iTunes, on SoundCloud. So I know uh, I know my buddy Jamie Shuchuk had some issues finding the show last week. I finally figured, uh, I, I taught him, I gave him a lesson on how to download and subscribe to the podcast so he never has to worry about that again. I strongly suggest you do the same. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Lax Class. You can find Evan at Shem Lax. You can find me at PXP for Sports. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on when the show's coming out, who's on the show, and uh, we'll give you all the latest uh, as far as NLL news goes as well throughout the week once again a big thanks to our sponsors extreme threads our title sponsor here of lacrosse classified associated labels and packaging and our good friends at pure vital labs we've had challenge rogers we've had callan crawford now we've had west berg on all those guys under the stable of pure vital labs so you know they're good stuff when those kind of guys are signing up with them Thanks to you, the listener, for listening to Lacrosse Classified week after week. And if you're a new listener, well, welcome, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Now we're out of here for Evan Sheminar. I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, we'll talk to you next time here on Lacrosse Classified.